Welcome to the Wisdom and Wellness Parsha podcast, a weekly Eden Center podcast featuring Rabbanit Shani Tarragon, with insights from the Parsha about women's health, relationships, mikveh, and well-being. This podcast stems from the desire to gift women the opportunity to take time for themselves to connect to core values of our Torah. The Torah has so much to say about modern day challenges, about health and wellness, about taking care of ourselves and our relationships. Using the wisdom found in the parasha, we will reflect on how women can better care for themselves, their bodies, their souls, their relationships with their husbands and with Hashem. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, which was born of the same motivations to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikvah as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to women's health, well-being and healthy relationships to enrich Jewish women and family life. The Eden Center trains thousands of mikveh attendants, educates brides, provides communal education and publications, and now produces this podcast for women worldwide. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work to make mikveh relevant, comfortable and meaningful. Rabbanit Shani Terrigan has been a leading force in women's Torah learning and in Eden's work, and we are honored to combine two of her passions, Torah education and empowering us about women's health and well-being. Without further ado, Shani. Shalom, this is Shani Tarragon, and I'd like to welcome you to the Eden Center's weekly Parsha podcast, Wisdom and Wellness for Women. Beginning this week, as we open Sefer Shemot, we find ourselves in a period of the Jewish calendar known as Shovavim Tat, an acronym of the letters of the Parshiot Shavua, beginning with Parshat Shemot, through Truma, and Tzitzaveh. During this time in Jewish communities across the world, husbands and wives dedicate extra time and energy to fortifying their homes and marriages, from reviewing the technical laws of family purity to couples' workshops focus on more effective communication styles, this time of year is reserved for strengthening the bedrock of Jewish homes and marriages. The impetus for this is, in fact, the beginning of Parshat Shemot, where Amparo decrees that the midwives who assisted the Jewish women in delivering their children were to kill every boy, the midwife Shiframpua contemptuously refused to carry out the king's orders, and instead the Torah tells us, they let the boys live. Let us return to the context of Parshat Shmot, where we find Am Yisrael coming down to Mitzrayim, Yaakov ish uveto ba'u, the children, B'nai Yisrael, come as a bayit. The end of this parshia is Vayas lahem batim. The words abat and bayit are going to serve as milim manchot, as repetitive words throughout the story of both the shiabud, the oppression, and ultimately the redemption of Am Yisrael as they become literally batim, sel vetavot, sel abayit. And as this family of individuals die, Vayamat Yosef we hear of the tremendous growth in demographics of Am Yisrael. How they increased their number at an astonishing rate, as the Torah tells us, of Bnei Yisrael paru vayishritzu vayirbu vayatzmu b'maon maon v'timaleha aritzotam. Chazal explain, what are these words? Paru vayishritzu, paru shalohipila nishotehem v'lo metuk shehim k'tanim. Am Yisrael were able to proliferate and not suffer from any child loss 
No miscarriages, no stillborn children. Vayishritzu shayu yoldot shisha bekeresachad. Six children born at once. Tremendous growth and fertility. And as we continue, the result, Uvnei Yisrael paru vayishritzu vayirbu vayatzmu bimaod maod vatimalei ha'aretzotam. And therefore, Vayakam Melachadash al Mitzrayim Asher Loyadat Yosef, Vayomer Alamo, Hine Am Bnei Yisrael Rav Vatzumimanu. It is Paro who is the first to recognize that we are now a nation. And as a result, Havanet Chakmalo, Penir Bev, Ayakit Sekrena Milchamav, and Osafkam, who also Nenu, Vnilcham Banu, Valam and Aretz. Paro is gripped with fear. Maybe these people are going to continue to proliferate and then ally themselves with our enemy, causing us to leave the land. As a result, Paro is going to employ two gzerot, two different types of decrees, what I like to call labor laws and labor laws. The first one he employs in a very covert method. First, he organizes for particular officers to oppress people, and build cities, Pitom and Ramses. But ironically, the more they oppress them, Chazal explain how were they able to grow despite the harsh work and slavery of the Egyptians? They grew, but the Midrash, Ruach HaKodesh, Omeret Kain, Atem Omrim Penyerbe, Vani Omer Chenyerbe. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was behind the scenes making sure that Am Yisrael would have the opposite effect of Paro's decree. The more they were oppressed, the more they increased and spread out. And subsequently, Vayakutu Mipnei B'nei Yisrael, the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. As a result, Paro then employs a more overt method. Vayavidu Mitzrayim B'nei Yisrael B'farech, he nationalizes this oppression and here we find the repetitive word of Avodah, Vayimaru at Chayehem, Bavodah Kasha, Bochomer, Uvelvenim, Ovochol Avodah Basadeh, at Kol Avodatam Asher Avdu Bahem Bafarech. Let's take a look now at the subsequent Sukim, where we find apparently a simultaneous decree of the labor laws, where Amparo is going to call once again particular officers, but this time, who are they? Vayomer Malach Mitzrayim, la mialdot ha'ivriot asher shem ha'achat shifra v'shem ha'shinit pu'a. Paro is going to call the chief midwives. And who are these midwives, shifra and pu'a? The parshanim present two options as to whether shifra and pu'a are secondary names for women who appear elsewhere in the Torah, or rather characters unknown from any other place in the Torah. And... As most of the Parshanim understand, these midwives are, as the Torah tells us, Mialdot Ha'ivriot. These are Israelite midwives. Perhaps, as Rashi and various other Parshanim quote, this is a conservation of character. This position consistent with the general tendency of Midrash to consolidate characters by identifying different names with the same people. And as we see from the next parak, Yocheved and Miriam, the mother and the sister of Moshe Rabbeinu are going to go out of their way to ensure the survival of Moshe. It must be then that Shifra and Pua are also the same characters. They are either Yocheved and Miriam or Yocheved and Elisheva, Yocheved's daughter-in-law married to Aaron HaKohen. Based on this, 
these are going to be the women who are responsible for saving Am Yisrael. Because albeit Paro declares and commands them, Vayomer If you see that the child who is born is a son, make sure that you kill him. And if it's a girl, then she shall live. The response of these mialdot batirenna hamialdot etelukim. Let's take a look first then at these mialdot ivriot, recognizing that they're Israelite, and not just Israelite, but in fact, Yocheved and Miriam. Based on this, their names, Shifra and Pua, are in fact not their personal names, but rather their functional names. Shifra, as Chazal teach us then, named as such because Shifra Shifra literally improves the appearance of the child as she cleanses the child after birth. And Pu'a, why is she named Pu'a? Pu'a takes care of the child, making sure that the child is able to grow and flourish. And why is she called Pu'a? Either because she is going to infuse the child by squirting literally no fat wine into the baby's mouth or causing the newborn to cry out when it was thought to be stillborn. The Midrashim both in Bereshit Rabbah and in Mesachat Sota, Gemara Sota, both teach us different explanations for the names. Why else Pua? Because she appeared, Hofia, with good deeds for Yisrael. For example, she went with her mother to the expectant mother. Or, according to another etymological explanation, she would be poa, literally bleat like a sheep to the woman in labor, which acted as a stimulus and aided the woman to deliver. Or, another view is actually her behavior towards Paro. When she heard the royal edict, she was insolent, hofia panim towards Paro. And she looked down at him and said, Woe to you on the day of judgment, when Hashem will come to demand punishments of you. Paro immediately became enraged and wanted to kill her. But she was saved thanks to her mother, who mollified him and said, Do you really take notice of her? She's such a young girl. She's a baby. She doesn't know anything. Another explanation of her name is connected with the birth of Moshe. Pua, or Miriam, would cry out, Poa, to her own father, as she would say, you're even worse than Paro. Paro is only killing the sons. You're also killing the girls. Paro is only killing them in this world. You're also denying them for the world to come. Paro, who is he? Hashem will make sure that there are going to be some who are going to survive. At that point, Amram, Pua's father, takes back his wife, and following his lead, all the other Israelite men do the same. Miriam was accordingly given the name of Pua, Hofia Panim, to her own father. The Tanhuma tells us that the Egyptians wanted the wives to stay alive, the women, so that they could take them. And what was the response of the midwives? The Midrashim tell us that it's not only that the women made sure not to kill the children, but rather they went out of their way to let the children live. And what does this mean? Again, the Gemara Mesachat Sota tells us they actively aided them to live by giving them food and water. 
And if the midwives saw a poor woman, they would go and collect food and water from the houses of wealthy women, which they gave to the poor ones, enabling them to provide for their children. Another midrash relates that the midwives knew that fetuses are liable to be harmed during the course of delivery and be born with some type of physical defect. So they stood and prayed before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, You know that we did not fulfill Paro's edict, but we seek to fulfill your word. So Hashem, may the child emerge unscathed so that the Israelites will not find a reason to speak against us, saying that we wanted to kill them and that they were born with defects. Hashem immediately accepted the prayer of the midwives and all the children were born without any flaws. From here we see not only the bravery of the woman, but as the Torah tells us, another reason perhaps to corroborate that these are women who truly fear HaKadosh Baruch Hu. These midwives are God-fearing. They are brought up in an understanding of fear of God. However, we could also understand, as many of the of the Parshanim tell us, the Abarbanel, Shadal, that Mialdota Ivriot is not necessarily an adjective describing the midwives' own nationality, but rather is a noun referring to the Hebrew mothers whom the midwives assisted, leaving us the possibility of Mialdot Eta Ivriot, as the Abarbanel suggests these are women who are in fact Egyptian, who are going to assist the Hebrew women, or they are Ivriot. These are the midwives of the Hebrews who Paro calls because they're the ones in charge of the Hebrews. And therefore, Paro, assuming that they're going to be loyal to him, tells them, go and help me fulfill my plan. Yet, not just that they're God-fearing, but throughout Sefer Breshit, we hear the terminology of Yerat referring to some type of ethical or moral backbone. These are women, perhaps even Egyptian women, who will not aid Paro in killing children because they themselves believe that these children should survive. And what is the excuse given by these midwives when Paro calls them? Why do you allow these children to survive? The basic explanation that they give, the midwives say, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, they are vigorous, before the midwife can even come to them, they have already given birth. What does this mean? And their explanation, because these women are like animals, one explanation that we is that the midwives are telling Paro that this nation is like the beasts of the field. The women who are like beasts do not heap, need the help of any humans, certainly not of the midwives, and this may be an allusion to the way that Yaakov blesses his own children, Yehuda as compared to a lion, Dan to Anachash, Naphtali, to the Ayala, Yisachar, to the Chamor, and so forth. But perhaps they're also playing off of Paro's own words. Ki you said, Imbati v'chaya, Paro, you don't know how alive these women are, how they so desire to have children, how they so desire to bring life into this world. Note how at the very beginning of Sefer Shemotan, we find birthings, beginnings of the Parsha, the emphasis on fertility and prolific birth rates of Am Yisrael. 
making it very clear that Am Yisrael have an uncanny ability to bring new life into this world. In other words, even as the Egyptians try unsuccessfully to hasten the ending of the Israelites' lives, we find even more life is ushered into this world. And if in the first scene, it's because of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even if Paro says, Pen Yerbeh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Achim Yerbeh. But the special position of Shifra and Pua and the initial psukim of the second decree teach us that it's also the hands of the women themselves who are going to bring about redemption. It is an overt act of political defiance by these two women who are themselves serving the enslaved members of Am Yisrael, these women seemingly in a subservient position to a subservient people and to enter into a high-stakes power play with Paro Melech Mitzrayim, setting the stage for the eventual, eventual and ultimate defiance of Paro by Am Yisrael, teaching us what courage to bring life into this world is all about. So it is no con- coincidence that the midwives are going to serve not only in this story, but as Chazal teach us, as models for all the women in the story. Shifra and Pua literally aid the birthing process of individual women, and in their refusal to obey Paro, they assume a key role in the collective birthing of the people of Am Yisrael. Yerat Elokim, the fear of God, rather than Paro, rather than fearing the political authority, is going to lead to their reward. Here we see that the Parsha opens with the secret of success for Am Yisrael teaching us that the way to plant the seeds of redemption is to defy all odds and ultimately perpetuate the growth of the Jewish people by being involved in fertility, by both turning to Hashem in tefillah, but all the more so with courage and with our actions to ensure that Am Yisrael will continue to grow at all costs. Is there someone in your life that you want to honor? Someone who has helped you out or inspired you? Maybe it's a medical professional or a teacher or a yoetzet who went above and beyond to help you. Or a yard site or death that you want to mark. Please consider making a donation to support this podcast in honor of a special person in your life. For $100, you can sponsor an episode and partner with the Eden Center to bring this podcast and Torah to thousands more listeners. For sponsorship, visit our website at www.theedencenter.com. We see that healthy childbirth has always been miraculous, even more so as in Parshat Shmot when it flouts the government edict of Paro. But the process of delivering a child is not only stressful for the new baby, but strenuous for the new mother too. Even today, the maternal mortality rate is higher than in any, any other industrialized nation. Kam Shifra and Pua, Rashi tells us, they cared for, they soothed the baby after he was born, but also, says Rabbi Levi, that the extra et, Rabbi Levi suggests, teaches us that the midwives didn't only let the baby boys live, but they helped the mothers live too. Shifra and Pua understood that after all their work to support a new baby, a baby boy born to an unhealthy mother would not thrive. Maternal health is critical not only when the fetus is in utero. It is equally critical after delivery. That's because when a baby is born into this world, not only is a baby born, but the mother is born as well. 
It's important to recognize that maternal health is not limited to her postpartum physical recovery. Ensuring maternal mental health, supporting the mother's emotional needs, and the often chaotic weeks that follow the birth is key to survival. New parents might remember that the birth of a baby brings with it entirely new family routine with uh, various emotions, excitement, joy, sometimes anxiety, fear. One in seven new mothers and one in 10 new fathers can bring along with it actual depression. A parent suffering from perinatal mood and anxiety disorders known as PMADs may feel angry, anxious, hopeless, irritable, or sad from anywhere from two weeks to a year after their baby is born. They may refuse to eat, to suffer for sleep disturbances. They may have frantic energy. They may experience depressive or irrational thoughts. Research shows that half the women with PMAD suffer alone and in silence, never receiving treatment, and losing out on some of the joy that motherhood brings in the process. The Midrash teaches us that Shifra and Puh were not only heroic midwives. They prayed for the babies and were the first one to bring what we would call today mommy meals. They brought food and drink to new mothers. From them, we can learn a lot from the comprehensive care they offer. They weren't only offering medical care. They didn't just show up to hear the baby coo or to cradle the baby in the arms. Instead, they listened carefully to what the mother was telling them and were keenly aware of the family dynamics. Only after the assessment, they offer whatever support the mother needed, the emotional and the physical. It's time for us to follow in Shifra and Pua's righteous footsteps by bringing mommy meals to new mothers, not only providing for the family's physical needs, but their emotional ones as well. Let's try to check in, both with women confronting challenges of infertility and also with new mothers. Let's listen to how women are feeling physically and emotionally. Let's try to think beyond. Go beyond Vatachayena etayeladim. How can we show support during these weeks of Shova Vimtat as we work on improving the fabric of our families? Let's try to pay careful attention to physical and emotional needs of those that are confronting challenges of fertility in our community. Let us go think beyond what postpartum women need as well, and perhaps like Shifra and Pua, such attention and such investment on the part of the, our communities will bring Gu'ula. This week's podcast is sponsored by Devora and Yosef Steinmetz, Le'iloi Nishmat, Kalman Svi Ben Yosef, Yaakov Ben Yishayau, Rivka Brindle, Bat Svi Hersh. Obischut kol ha-mishpachot, she-tarich lirot ha-baracha shel, v'yarev ha-am ya'atzmu me'od. This parsha is the perfect segue to discuss the importance of understanding infertility. Infertility can affect couples who have never had biological children, known as primary infertility, as well as couples who have already had at least one biological child, but are presently having difficulty conceiving, known as secondary infertility. Difficulty in conception affects approximately 20% of all couples at some time in their lives. Fortunately, Baruch Hashem, there have been significant advances in the treatment of infertility in recent years. Medical intervention for the purpose of achieving pregnancy is halachically permitted and even encouraged when needed. For a woman who discovers that she's ovulating before immersion in a mikvah, she verified that her menses really last as long as she thinks. 
Some women think that a Hefseq Tahara examination prior to beginning her Shavanikiya must come out completely clear or white. But in fact, the halacha is that it should be clean of problematic colors. And therefore, she should regularly bring her examinations, her Hefseq Tahara or other bidikot, her internal examinations, to halachic authorities to check whether in fact the color is problematic. And as Shifra and Pua in the past, Baruch Hashem, we have our modern righteous women providing for various strength and resources in the realm of fertility. The Eden Center has recently published a phenomenal collection of thoughts and tefillot for women confronting challenges of fertility, miscarriages, and stillbirth. Brachat Emunah, available in Hebrew and English on their website. A special evening will be conducted in Hebrew on January 23rd in conjunction with Tznuat Emunah. May we merit like the midwives in Mitzrayim, the courage, the fortitude, the Yerat Elohim to confront our challenges of infertility. And may we merit like them, Vayas Lahem Batim, to be able to be blessed with families of our own and simultaneously plant the seeds of redemption. This episode of Wisdom and Wellness was recorded by Shani Tarragon, music courtesy of Shimona Gottlieb, and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback, sponsorships, and support. You can reach us at www.theedencenter.com.